and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we're going to board the Antonio Grazza to go try to salvage it for some money. We're going to go eat some um, beans, and then um, hopefully they won't turn into maggots. And then also we're going to, oh, I don't know, travel through time to see what actually happened. But anyway, besides all that, on today's episode, we're going to be covering 2002's Ghost Ship. The reason I'm deciding to cover Ghost Ship today is because it is my show and I can do what I want. Um, but I did ask on um, Instagram, I was like, what should I do uh, for my episodes? <laughs> you know, because I was just like thinking of what else I could do. And I actually had my uh, my girl Barbie, shout out Barbie, uh, family friend. Uh, she uh, said Ghost Ship in all of its wonderful horribleness. Um, it's all of its trashy glory. And you know what? Like once she said that, I was like, you know what? That's perfect. Because Ghost Ship is a movie that I'm just like fascinated by and I'm just like all right let me do this so that is a great example of of something I could cover on this show so thank you Barbie but anyway so ghost ship for me I mean my history with it so I really only watched this for the first time last year it was part of I did the Halloween October watch along uh, with the horror queers, shout out horror queers, where they had a different movie every day you would watch in a different category. And one of the categories they had was horror on a boat, which there's plenty of, there's different horror on a boat type of movies. But this, of course, is, you know, ghost ships. So why not? watch ghost ship so i tracked it down i actually uh, watched it on either the uk or australian shutter or something like that i was able to find it on because it wasn't streaming anywhere in the u.s uh, that i wanted to pay for so i was like all right cool so i finally watched it and i i was only so familiar with who steve beck was because i i am somebody though who i loved and i will tell you i loved 13 ghosts when i was younger i loved that movie so much and i think one of the reasons i liked that movie maybe i'll cover it one day but like i think i like the story of the ghosts behind 13 ghosts more than maybe i do the story of 13 ghosts but whatever anyway but he was the one who did that movie and then he also did ghost ship after it and that's literally what he's done as a director because he actually comes from more of a, a special effects background. But anyway, I, uh, so I mean, Ghost Ship was always kind of on the radar. I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll watch this movie. Like, I, I don't know what to think of it. Like, whatever. So I finally did. I had an excuse to. And so I was like, all right, cool. And so I, I watched it. And what I will say is that it, it's a movie. Now, I think it's a movie that is, I understand why it maybe didn't do great. It made money back, though, because, of course, it's a fucking movie called Ghost Ship. Of course, I'm going to see it. I think when you actually watch it, I, I ends up being something that is kind of a... Uh, I put it into the same... I really do put it into the same category, obviously, as 13 Ghosts, because it was directed by the same dude. But I even put it a little bit into, like, um, kind of like with valentine a little bit too although valentine is a way different movie and i actually kind of like valentine a little bit but that's from nostalgia purposes but uh like these movies that are not exactly that good however there's something about them that i don't know is sort of endearing in a way i guess there is some fun things in ghost ship i think you know there is some there's some good gore in it you know i think the overall stuff with just like 
them trying to fix the boat and kind of what they're doing. Like, I, I get what they're doing. It's just that after a while, the movie kind of just like goes off the rails crazily. So, and as you'll kind of, as I found in my research as well, it's interesting how this movie came to be and, you know, how I think it was a, a bit of a different movie when it was first kind of pitched and, you know, having people sign on and then the, by the time you get the actual product of the movie, I think it was a completely different film. So anyway, but without further ado, though, uh, we're going to get into what we normally do on the show, which is go over the figures of the movie, some production history. We'll then move into a plot summary of the movie. So without further ado, let's uh, move into those figures. So Ghost Ship was released October 25th, 2002, and was directed by Steve Beck and written by Mark Hanlon and John Pogue. It was produced by Joel Silver Robert Zemeckis, and Gilbert Adler. We're looking at an estimated budget of $20 million and a gross U.S. and Canada box office of $30,113,491 and $68,349,884. We're looking at a 15% on the tomato meter and a 37% audience score. We're looking at an IMDb score of 5.5 out of 10 and a letterbox score of 2.4 out of 5. For our cast of characters, we have Gabriel Byrne as Sean Murphy, Juliana Margulies as Maureen Epps, Ron Eldert as Dodge, Desmond Harrington as Jack Ferryman, Isaiah Washington as Greer, Alex Dimitriades as Santos, Carl Urban as Munder, Emily Browning as Katie Harwood, Francesca Rotodoni as Francesca, and Monica Mancini as the singing voice of Francesca, Boris Burke as Chief Steward, Bob Ruggiero as Captain Ruggiero, and Ian Gardner as Purser. Some critical response quotes about Ghost Ship are as follows. We have Mark Haverston from Sacramento News and Review who states, Beck clobbers the audience with the most gruesome prologue I have ever seen in a horror movie and then settles the story into routine ghost story and bloody body count. We then have Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian who states, The setting is perfectly promising, but this is the usual dumbed down stuff heading for the video bin. And then we have Kirk Honeycutt from Hollywood Reporter who states, A lame script featuring sorry dialogue and a senseless story is more likely to provoke laughs than screams from its intended audience. So before we get into any kind of plot summary about Ghost Ship, I do want to just talk a little bit about some production history of the movie that I was able to find out about, a little bit about how the movie got made and all that stuff. So Ghost Ship in particular first emerged in January of 1996 as Chimera, uh, a spec script by writer Mark Hanlon. And this script was a relatively bloodless psychological thriller rather than a vivid supernatural horror film. So most notably, most of the film's gore is absent from the screenplay. And this film would have focused on four members of a salvage crew who are stranded aboard the ghost vessel that they are scuttling, the titular Chimera. And then over the course of one night, each member, due to panic, cabin fever, or supernatural forces, go insane and then plot to kill the other three. In Chimera, Murphy is the main killer, and the ship runs onto some rocks and begins to sink. And so Murphy and Epps survive until nearly the end, but as the ship sinks, Murphy goes off to retrieve some gold ingots. And the weight of the gold and the time he loses in getting to it leads to Murphy's demise. And as in the film, Katie helps Epps escape. And then over time, the script went underwent some rewrites, and and the psychological aspects of this 
uh, script were all jettisoned into favor of making a film more of a slasher, really. It has been suggested that, quote, the cast signed on based on the original draft of this movie, and were sadly disappointed to find that the script had really radically changed by Joel Silver and Associates when they actually arrived to begin shooting. According to Steve Beck in his uh, newly released director's commentary on the Screen Factory Blu-ray of this movie, he also mentions that the September 11th terrorist attacks in the United States also inspired the studio to make the film a more definitive fight between good and evil instead of just trying to be nuanced about the corruption of man. So it sounds like, at least in this sense, this movie was really supposed to be more psychologically kind of like a horror, really. And then it ended up turning into this like weird slashing kind of thing. So it's unfortunate that that happened because, you know, I think uh, even though the movie's like, you know, it's not great, but, you know, it's interesting to kind of see that as well. A little bit about uh, scale modeling on this film. So the idea of filming on a real ship was continually brought up and a few ships were scouted for the possibility of actually being used as the uh, Antonio Crassa. Uh, the temptation was always to shoot on the real thing, Beck says. Um, and he said, we actually visited a few ships, but every time we thought, how are we ever going to get a dolly through this alley or down this hallway or anything? So when you're shooting, you often have to punch through a wall in order to get the shot you need. And on a steel ship, that's literally impossible. And so we knew the real thing would be far too limiting. So they didn't end up doing that. But instead of actually using a real ship, Australian visual effects company, uh, Photon VFX, who had previously worked on the 2002 film Scooby-Doo, was hired as the principal contractor for all the visual effects in this movie. So this allowed Warner Brothers to take full advantage of the wide spectrum of services that were offered, including things like CGI, animation, miniatures, live-action prosthetics, pyrotechnics, and aerial, underwater, and motion control cinematography. And so specifically, the SS Andrea Doria uh, served as the inspiration for the film's actual ship, the Antonia Grazza. Uh, Photon themselves created a 35-foot, 120th scale model of the ship, allowing for the exterior shots to be a combination of both CGI, miniature, and live-action footage. And so for certain exterior shots, a miniature just wouldn't work, so instead a full-scale forecastle and bow were constructed. So, quoted as saying, it was a full-scale replica, so it wouldn't have fit in a studio necessarily, um, one of the guys from Photon Explains. Uh, It also needed to have sky backgrounds surrounding it, so we built it on a hill to achieve that desired effect. Uh, So it is kind of cool that they made this ship and they were able to, like, make something that they could actually use. A little bit about the effects a little bit more. Uh, so Dale Duguid, uh, who was the creative director of Photon, uh, wanted to push the boundaries on this movie. There was a lot of pride for Ghost Ship because it was like the largest visual effects contract that was completely done in Australia to date uh, because this movie was shot in Australia. So Photon filmed a real ocean liner at sea off the coast of New South Wales, digitally removed the ship, but all kept all of the movements, uh, leaving nothing but ocean and sky. And then the tracking data was taken and input into a robotic filming system, which then filmed the 35-foot-long miniature ship that they used. And the digital effects team then added 300 digital extras, in addition to, like, digital water and smoke, to make this scene uh, appear as real as possible. 
um, especially for um, the scene in the beginning uh, with that iconic death scene. Uh, The dramatic scene, which features the derelict ballroom reverting to its former grand self, posed a problem for the effects crew, though. So, like, they were saying, um, the guy Dale was saying that that was the most difficult shot he's ever worked on. Um, So, literally, filming of that took place in two different sets the one being the decrepit ballroom which had been adrift for 40 years and the second set was this luxurious ballroom used in the opening scene with like happy people in it and so he was saying that we were filming on a derelict set in a new set and we shot 80 layers of that scene on a circular motion controlled track and each time with different things going on so like literally there was a lot going on to that um, especially when that whole ballroom scene was happening and a little bit about just the shooting of this movie so also uh, as I stated uh, principal photography began in January of 2002 in Queensland Australia and a majority of this film is shot on sets built on a soundstage at Village Roadshow Studios the only ship used in Ghost Ship was actually the tugboat Arctic Warrior Um, and while filming the exterior shots of the tugboat a feeding frenzy actually occurred in the water that brought like 800 to 1000 sharks within 50 yards of the production and its stars so that's not great and then also in february 2002 uh the 35 foot long model of the antonia grazza that was made by photon was taken out to morton bay to actually film some establishing shots of the ship adrift and so then in february construction of the bow in the foredeck uh was underway in Queensland. Um, construction that lasts about six weeks also drew some like curious people who lived there uh, and tourists who were hoping to get a look at like the nearly a hundred foot tall massive hall that dominated the actual like surrounding areas. And then partly this movie, in addition to being done in Australia, some of it was also shot in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Vancouver because, of course, why not? You get those tax breaks. Yeah, it's a little bit about the production history of the movie and just of the effects of this. Film. Film. So yeah, I think this is definitely a, uh, yeah, it's a movie that definitely, <laughs> it came up after, I think, I don't even know if I could call it success of 13 Ghosts, but, uh, you know, Steve Beck kind of showed that he could do a, a horror movie and, you know, this film was already kind of in the, in the sphere anyway, it was already going to be getting made at some point. So it just so happened to kind of work for, for Steve Beck to take it on. But without further ado, though, let's move into a plot summary of Ghost Ship. So we start off our movie with, you know, Village Roads show, and then we also have our Dark Castle um, opening as well. And then we come up on this, like, aerial shot of, like, the water, and then also, like, a ship. And we have this fun little title of Ghost Ship. And so we see that there's this lady in a red dress. She's singing. We found out her name is Francesca. And she's singing. And we have these rich people all dancing around in a ballroom uh, while this lady is singing in Italian. And then also on the deck, uh, we see these people also dancing as well. And so we see a little girl named Katie, played by a young Emily Browning, who would then go on to be in... Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate events and other things as well. So we see that she's there. She's just sitting there kind of bored. But then this guy comes up to her. I don't know if he's like the captain, assistant captain or some shit. I don't know. But he has like this nice jacket on and he like takes her out to the dance floor and is dancing with her. And so then we see that somebody uh, is pulling some kind of lever because we see that happen. And then that like 
makes a t- chain of events happen where like this we see this like wire it's not piano wire obviously but it's like this metal wire and like literally uh it's like uncoiling 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 and then what ends up happening is all these people on the dance floor are like dancing and dancing and then we see that this like metal wire then like rips out from where it was on the ship and it just like swings and it like s- it sails across this dance floor and it pretty much then becomes all bloody you see it like you know start to to come back and then we see that all of these people get cut the fuck up okay and so all of these people are cut up so they're like all like all their body parts are like falling apart or like they're you know like their torso is all like cut up so like they're pretty much all dismembered at this point except for Katie, she was able to escape that because she's kind of short, I guess. But then the older gentleman she was dancing with, he just becomes dismembered right in front of her. And of course, she screams. So that's like back in uh, 1962. This is in the, the past. And so we did see that as well. They were brought into the present day, where in 2002, where we see that a uh, boat crew uh, is tugging a salvaged boat. So they got their little tugboat and then they have some ship behind them and what ends up happening is like this woman uh who is named Epps Maureen Epps played by Juliana Margulies uh cuz we see her there we see um Greer played by Isaiah Washington we see uh Murphy Sean Murphy played by Gabriel Byrne uh, and a couple other people as well we see that they're like all like talking walkie-talkies and shit and uh we see that uh, there's a boat that they're tugging and um I guess there's a leak in the boat or something like that, but they're just like, oh, no, don't worry about it, blah, 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 we'll deal with it when we get to shore or whatever. But then Epps, of course, has to go, and she's trying to fix the leak in the boat, though. She's just like, I'm not going to let this one, you know, die on me or whatever, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, we then see, uh, we have that, and then the crew at uh, is at a sailor's bar, I guess? It's like a shanty bar um, with a bunch of people just like, you know... In the like sailor people in the background, and anyway, they have money because what we are to assume is that these folks, uh, who are all working together, um, they are like salvagers of ships, so they go and they salvage ships that they can then, uh, um, I guess make money from is what it seems like so this crew like i said has Sean Murphy played by Gabriel Byrne, Juliana Margulies is playing, um, Maureen Epps, they're kind of like. Gabriel Byrne is, like, the captain, and then she's, like, kind of the co-captain. We have uh, Dodge, played by Ron Eldard. Um, him and uh, Sant Munder, played by Carl Arlberg, and they're, like, kind of the, the two friends on here. We then have Greer, played by Isaiah Washington. And then Santos is there as well. He's, like, the mechanic of the boat, and he's played by Alex Dimitriadis. Um, so you have that, but this guy comes up to them at the bar, um, because apparently he knows about them, and so uh, this is a guy by the name of Jack Ferryman, who's played by Desmond Harrington, who then a year later, if I'm not mistaken, would end up going uh, to West Virginia and uh, fighting weird zombie, not zombie, like, weird inbred hibbillies in Wrong Turn, so that's kind of fun. Anyway, so Jack comes up to them, he's like such a fan of Sean Murphy's, I guess, or whatever. He talks to the crew about a boat that he has found, because he himself is, like, a pilot, apparently. And so he said that he found this boat uh, that's just drifting off in the Barren Sea. And so then, like, you know, he should 
you know, be a part, like he wants them to go salvage it, you know, and he offers uh, to have them salvage it. And he wants to be part of it for a certain cut as well. So they're just kind of talking um, to each other about this. And then um, this scene takes way too long. Honestly, there's so much in here, uh, but anyway, he offers them to, to help salvage this boat and be a part of it. And he's like, you know, he's like, well, I want to be part of this, take it or leave it. You know, um, this could be worth a lot of money. And so they decide, all right, we'll let you come with us, whatever. It's fine. So then the crew and Jack are sailing out to sea. We don't really know if Jack is much of a sail guy. So uh, they're sailing out to sea in their little tugboat, wherever they're doing. And Santos and Murphy... So Santos is talking to Murphy about just like, I don't even know what they're talking about. They're talking about something. Uh, Like I said, Santos is like the mechanic guy. And then Murphy uh, is the captain dude. So they have a little scene where they talk about stuff because Santos is driving the boat, if I'm not mistaken. So they're talking a little bit about just like whatever the hell. Anyway, so then they're on the radar and I think what they were talking about, I guess is like that Santos was seeing something on the radar and then that's why he brought Murphy up to the, what is it called? The rudder or like wherever you steer the boat at. And he's saying like, look here, look here. Like, I I swear I saw something. And then (laughs) the Murphy's all like, you know, you're full of shit. Like there's nothing there, all that kind of stuff. But then anyway, they end up finding that there is actually a boat um, as well, and they finally find the boat in person because they're about to fucking crash into it, and that's exactly what they do. They just crash right into this boat. Thankfully, they don't, like, damage anything too bad. I don't think they don't damage their boat, it seems like, Um, you know, so, but they do crash into it because it's this big-ass, like, boat just in the middle of fucking nowhere, and throughout this whole thing, they're all kind of getting to know one another and all that stuff. Uh, I think, like, we find out Greer has, like, a fiancé at home, uh, even though one of the guys says, like, he all, oh, and we all know you Navy boys take it up the ass. So, 2000s, early 2000s homophobia is always fun. Um, and nothing wrong with taking it up the ass, damn it. But anyway, so, then, yeah. So, they find this ship called the Antonio Grazza. Um... And I believe, like, Murphy is somewhat familiar with it, I guess. Like, I don't think anybody else really is. Um, So they find this, and they decide to come aboard it. Because they're like, okay, there's this big fucking ship. I guess it's the ship that Jack was talking about or whatever. So they end up wanting to go on it. So they prepare themselves to then board the ship. And so they board the ship, as you do. So yeah, they come aboard the ship, they're just like, they board the ship, and then everyone except for Greer and Jack are in the ship now. So Greer and Jack, like, uh, they stay on the little tugboat, and they talk a little bit about, they end up talking about, like, Jack asks something about, like, oh, what about, like, Murphy and Epps? Like, what are they doing? And we find out from Greer that, like, I guess that they're not fucking or anything, but like, it's more so that Murphy is like a father to Maureen, if you will. And so that's kind of their relationship. It seems like crew investigates the rest of the boat. So you see them with their flashlights, like walking around and everything like that. And so then they're just like, going through the whole boat. Anyway, so one of the crew members, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like Munder or Dodge or one of them. I think it was Dodge, um, who almost falls through the boat. Um, he almost falls through the floor um, to like the 
you know, whatever's below them. And Epps is like trying to save him. Um, and he, she does, but, uh, while she's in the middle of saving him, she does catch a glimpse of this, uh, this young girl, um, who she doesn't know who she is, obviously, but she's the girl from the beginning. Um, Katie. And so she's just like, that's so weird. I thought I saw a little girl. Like, what the hell? It's really, really weird. So they're just kind of like, the thing about this movie is that a lot of these scenes where, like, they're investigating, I think, take way too long to, to do, but whatever. And this movie's only 90 minutes, which just hilarious. Anyway, the crew keeps investigating the boat more and more, and then they come back to their tugboat, because they finally, they they see that, like, I believe one of the things they see is, like, that this boat is kind of flooded, so they'd have to, like, try to unflood it, and try to, like, um, yeah, just try to, like, get rid of the water that's in there, everything like that. Um, so they come back to their tugboat, and everyone comes back, and then Murphy is uh, telling a story about a particular ghost ship or whatever. He's talking about how like this boat just like took off across, and we can't ever tell whether where Murphy's from because I feel like he just goes in between like having a weird accent. Gabriel Byrne, I know, is like literally Irish, so like if I'm not mistaken, I think he's literally Irish. So like, of course, like he's just using his, yeah, he is Irish. Like he's Irish. So like, sometimes you hear some of that, you sometimes hear that accent, but you don't hear it all the way through. I don't think. So that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I don't know who knows, but anyway, so he's talking about this ghost ship or whatever. And so he's talking about how like this ship just like sailed the sea for a while and then they found it and then there was nobody at the helm of it. So of course, ooh, ooh, spooky. It's a ghost ship. But anyway, so then they decide that they're going to tow the boat, even though they're like, Oh my God, this thing is big as fuck. Like, how are we supposed to do this? But you know what? If we put work into it, then of course we can try to like tow it and do what we got to do. So then Epps and Jack, they're talking a little bit um, while they're on the boat I don't, I think they're off the ghost ship now, but Epps and Jack are talking about some shit. I don't know what they're talking about. I only paid so much attention. I was paying attention to this movie a little bit, but like, and I was, I watched it, but like, I can't remember all of what they were talking about, but Maureen and, um, Jack are talking about something. Um, so they decide like, okay, it's a little too dark though to like do anything right now. So we're going to have to just do this in the AM. So then we have the next day. Um, and they find out that the ship is sinking. So as I stated already, like, I believe they had already kind of seen that like there was water on the ship, but then they really find out that one of the parts of the boat is actually sinking because it has a hole in it. And we also find out too, that this boat also through the current has like knocked up against this Island with these rocks on it. Which is also probably how the hole came there. But anyways, so what they end up doing is they end up deciding, because they're going to tow the boat away, and they're going to try and salvage it, um, they plan to fix the hole and then take the boat. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to figure out, okay, where's the hole out? How can we patch it up? And then we're going to take this boat. So that's pretty much what they do. And so then um, we have the boat mechanic, Santos. Um, he's talking to a picture of a car because um, he's like in like the engine room or wherever the fuck he's at. And he's like, yeah, he's doing that. And he's like talking to a picture of his car or something like that. I don't know why. But anyway, so again, they go back on the ship and they were looking at, you know, what the hell's going on with the ship. And so then Epps is like investigating a little bit further, a little bit further. And she comes across this swimming pool. And so it's an empty swimming pool. And then she goes 
down inside of it because she notices there's like holes in the boat in the um, swimming pool and so she like goes down into the swimming pool um, and she looks at it and she sees that there are bullet holes in the empty swimming pool and also there's like a shotgun um, casing as well so she sees that too she thinks that's kind of weird a little bit she's like okay um, and then when she is coming back out of the pool, um, she uses the little ladder or whatever, but then she sees Katie is standing right there and she spooks her pretty much. And so she then falls back and then is just kind of incapacitated for a few minutes because they've all gone their separate ways. So like Epps went into the pool. Murphy is now looking and I think Greer is also part of this too. So like Murphy ends up going into, uh, the captain's office of the captain of the Antonio Grazza. And so he goes into there trying to find, cause he himself, I guess is a captain. So like, of course he goes to the captain's quarters. Um, he goes in there and he finds a straight razor. Um, it seems like in the sink, which still has some blood on it, which is just weird, but it comes back into the story later. And then Epps and ferryman. So Epps is still on the, um, on the bottom of the pool and so then ferryman runs in and finds her and he's like oh are you okay are you okay and she's like yeah i just like hit my head or whatever and you see that some of her blood like ended up going into the pool uh and went through under the bullet holes and then um after epson ferryman they kind of just get out of there uh the pool starts to fill up with blood this beautiful cg blood and um but they can't see it because it's ghost blood and whatever. I don't know. And then also dead bodies, like just these weird CGI dead bodies, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. This is where this movie starts to get. If it wasn't already weird to begin with, I think it already kind of then becomes weird. Cause you're like, okay, you can't see any of this, but okay, whatever. Anyway. So Jack and, Epps, they're like walking through and they're still trying to figure out where the hell else like is there anywhere else that um, this boat needs to be fixed on and so they end up going through the central laundry it seems like and then um Epps like uh opens this like hatch or whatever and all of this water just starts like uh flooding into uh where they're at and then you see dead bodies ew so you have these dead bodies but they're not like skeletal dead bodies they're like just recently dead bodies so you know yeah you have these dead bodies and so Epps and ferryman are talking to each other about this i just have it in my notes Epps and ferryman so like i'm assuming that they talk about what they've just experienced and oh my god what the fuck like you know there's these dead bodies here like how are there dead bodies here like what the fuck and then greer is by himself he's like walking around and he's like trying to find some shit he i guess comes across like um he goes into where this ballroom is or he ends up finding something about where he finds out who Francesca is, I guess. Um, so that all happens. So then anyway, we see that Epson Ferryman, they are walking through. Uh, they find this like area where there's like an old timey car. And then they also find that um, there are these like wooden boxes that are also in this hall. And pretty much they open it. And of course, rats are on top of it, just rats. And she screams, uh, Epps screams, because she's like, oh, God, I hate rats. But then underneath the rats, there is gold. Gold. There's gold in them hills. But anyway, so then so she's like, oh, okay, cool. But then somehow in the same room or something like that, um, like, um, 
we see that Dodge and Munder are there and um they maybe they leave there and like they go to another part of the boat and they pretty much scare her and they spook her because uh apparently like they are saying like oh you scared us so like we decided to scare you back and then she's like what the fuck are you talking about like i wasn't i wasn't scaring you like i didn't i haven't even talked to you in a little bit like what the hell so that was kind of weird as well. Anyway, so then you have the team all gets together. And they discuss about the gold that they have found. So they find all of the gold there, and there's a bunch of it, um, and they decide to steal the fuck out of it, all right? Because they notice that the uh, gold itself has no barcode, or not barcode, but like numbers on it, like they've been filed off. So that is to then assume that this gold might be stolen, though. But then they're like, well, according to international maritime law, anything that is on this boat is, uh, you know, it's finders keepers pretty much. So it's like, okay, whatever. And then so they talk about their uh, particular weird experiences on this ship. Like Greer's talking about how like he could have sworn that some lady was like uh, singing to him earlier. And like everyone's just talking about how they've had some weird fucking weird experiences on this boat. So then uh, they are out on the... So they're out on the tugboat, or not all of them are, but I think Greer is, and then Santos is. And so Santos is back talking to his, like, picture of his car, kind of, and they're getting ready to, like, you know, they're going to start getting ready to, like, uh, get the shit together. And you see that there's this propane tank that just, like, the valve gets, like, unloose or whatever, it gets loose. And so there's propane, like, gas just, like, in the, the area. And pretty much what happens is that Greer isn't aware of this, so, like... You know, this guy's in the engine room, Santos, and then Greer just, like, nobody's realizing this, though, so, like, Greer starts up the boat or something, and then what ends up happening is that Santos gets blown the fuck up, and then Greer gets hurt a little bit as well, he also gets hurt, so they're deciding that they bring them back onto the ship so of course santos is dead but then um they bring greer on the ship and they're just trying to heal him up after this horrible experience and munder then i think because jack is just there and he says something that was kind of insensitive i don't remember what he says but he literally says something and munder just wants to get into a fight with him um he's just like you know yeah he's just like Jack isn't doing himself any favors, I don't think. Anyway, so then you have Epson Murphy. They talk about something. They're just talking about, like, just how, you know, Murphy feels bad because, you know, he was responsible for Santos and for something like this to happen, like, was just so bad. And pretty much the crew is just going at each other's there's necks and they're like you know um trying to fight about what to do at this point now but they're deciding like all right like again we're gonna keep continuing the plan that we're gonna have but they're just fighting you just see that the tensions are now just rising more and more we see that greer is drinking himself into a stupor because he feels bad about accidentally killing santos i guess so that's just like a very melodramatic kind of scene you're just like oh god but anyway so then these idiots uh munder and dodge uh they are like in the kitchen area or something of this boat i don't know where uh i don't know where eps is oh eps is like going around she's looking and she finds um because she's wondering who this little girl is so she ends up going to the directory and she's like trying to figure out who this would be she finds out that i guess it's a person named katie and so she finds that you know where her room is in the directory so she decides to head up there um because she's wondering who this little girl is that she's seeing anyway we come back to the idiots uh munder and dodge and so uh 
they're eating old beans because they're like, oh, well, these beans have been like, you know, just sitting here for 40 years. They're probably fine, though. So they're like eating these old beans and they're like, oh, no, they're actually pretty good or whatever. And then guess what? Those beans then turn into maggots. And if you don't know anything about me, I love some maggots and some horror movies. Okay. So this definitely was like right up there for me, you know, cause they just, they're, it's just fun to have maggots in your horror movie. Uh, but anyway, so then, um, they're just like, Oh God, uh, uh, or whatever. And so then Greer is drinking himself into a stupor, but like, then he like sees, yeah, he's just like in the ballroom area and then Epps finds Katie's room and, you know, finds like some of her like dresses and like, you know, just some of the stuff that she had in her room. But then she opens like this other part of the room and she finds this mummy pretty much who is hanging from a noose. And so you're like, oh my God. Uh, anyway, so then we have that, and then Greer, as part of this, I guess, as well, does something. I don't know what happens, but pretty much he travels back, and there's this weird CGI thing going on um, where he is put back into time, I guess, where this ship, so this derelict ballroom, then becomes this, like, you know, prestigious, beautiful ballroom, and he's receiving all these applause from these ghosts that are, like, all around him. So then, like... Yeah, that's all happening. And he realizes, like, this isn't real, and none of this is real, but, like, what the fuck? So then, anyway, that all happens, and then Murphy has went over to the captain's corner, a quarter of the ship, I guess, and so then um, he meets with the ghost captain, and they're, they have their little meeting. They have a little meeting with themselves, and then Greer uh, then sees the ghost Francesca, because he already saw Francesca's, like, um, picture. He said she has nice titties. She does have nice titties, I will say that. But anyway, so like she, she um she's dancing with him and he even says like, you know, he realizes this is a dream, but like, okay, I guess I can't cheat on my fiance with a ghost. Okay. Yeah, all right. Anyway, so then <laughs> he dances with her and kisses her too. You, you cheating on your little fiance with a ghost though. But anyway. And then Epps meets Ghost Katie. And so Ghost Katie is like filling her in a little bit about some shit. So they're all having their fun experiences with ghosts. Um, anyway, so Murphy is finding out some information uh, from Ghost Captain because uh, he finds out there was this ship called the Lorelei and the Lorelei had all this gold on it apparently. And so all of these people from the Lorelei were like killed somehow. They were just like, yeah, they were killed. And, but there was one survivor of the Lorelei, like, boat accident or boat massacre or whatever the captain gives the photo of the survivor to murphy but you don't see it um but he's just like oh my god oh my god so he finds out who it is um so then anyway in between that you then have greer he's chasing the, the naked francesca because she has taken like her dress off and so you see her titties and so then anyway but he's just like she's beckoning to him kind of a thing going on um and then also with epps and kate Katie, Ghost Katie is talking about just like she's kind of filling her in about like you know her parents like how they went to America and she was like going to um, 
she was going to meet them there and all that. That's what she was on the boat for. But she like freaks out because she realizes that like, you know, uh, the room is starting to like turn or something. And only Katie can see it. And she's saying like, you know, I'm not like the other ones. Like, you know, um, he doesn't like me talking to you. And then she just like kind of freaks out though, uh, with Epps there. And, and Epps is just like, don't worry, Katie, it's okay. But then like, she's just like, you need to get off the ship. You need to get off the ship. So then we have uh, Murphy, again, he's left the captain's quarters, and then he goes over to where the pool is, I think, or he ends up cutting through there, and he finds dead Santos, uh, and dead Santos is, like, now a, like, fucking zombie guy who's burned up and shit, and he, like, dead Santos is, like, confronting Murphy, and he's all, like, now I'm in hell, and, like, whatever, or something like that, and, and pretty much saying like you know don't you feel bad for like pretty much killing me and whatever anyway so yeah he's having that experience so okay murphy is seeing one of his dead crew members and then fucking epps is having some weird thing with katie going on like where katie's just freaking out at her and then you see that greer again he's been chasing the naked francesca kind of and so you see her titties and all this and so anyway then um you see that she's like beckoning to him or whatever uh in front of this door and what ends up happening is that he's trying to like put his hands around francesca which was weird because earlier he was like dancing with her and like able to touch her and kiss her and stuff but then now apparently he then phases through her i guess and he ends up falling down an elevator shaft to his demise and then we see francesca turn from like this beautiful italian lady to some like old gross corpse thing or whatever and so she like walks away so yeah Greer found it on the elevator shaft so then Murphy and Epps they come together so Murphy is there and again he thinks that like Santos is still after him and I guess he thinks that Epps is Santos so they're fighting they just they have to the Murphy doesn't know what's real and what's not so like he's fighting her and then pretty much um Jack comes in and like saves Epps in a way but you know Murphy then gets locked up in like this weird aquarium thing um because obviously like he's either like drunk or he doesn't know what's going on or whatever so like he's got to be he's got to be uh kind of contained for, you know by himself anyway so then this leaves Jack Epps and then Dodge and Munder, I guess. And they decide they're going to go and fix this boat, pretty much. They're going to continue with the plan. So we're back to the plan about fixing the boat. So we see them fixing the boat, and that's fun. Um, so we see them, like, scuba diving and, like, trying to, like, fix up this boat and shit, which is great. And anyway, so then Epps uh, decides to go after all of this. So, like, Munder and Dodge are kind of left by themselves, and then Jack is somewhere. And Epps decides to go look for Greer. And so, because she's wondering where he's at, um, because nobody's seen him. And so then, yeah, so we see that Munder and Dodge are by themselves, and then Jack is somewhere. But Epps ends up... coming across Katie, who, again, had just freaked out on her and whatever, is telling her she's to get off this boat and all this. And so then she ends up finding Greer dead, dead as fuck, and he's been impaled on this equipment for this elevator shaft he fell down. So he's dead. And so then, um, so, of course, like, 
Greer's just like, or, or Epps is just like, oh my God, like, you know, Greer, I can't believe it. Oh my God. But then Katie decides to lead Epps, like back in time, it seems like, and to really show what happened actually on the ship. So Katie takes Epps and like puts her back into time. I think we have a song from Moby playing over this whole montage, if you will, but it's pretty much Katie and, and Epps. They're back in time now. And what we find out is that I guess a bunch of people maybe from some we don't actually know exactly who these guys are but these guys I guess these like mobster dudes or like some villain dudes or whatever they uh have killed the cooks uh, so again, we're back in 1962. They've killed the cooks in the kitchen, and they're now putting rat poison into the food that the people are eating on the ship. So they're killing them that way. Um, so then we see all the people like in the ballroom, like they're like f- throwing up and like you know all all their food that they've had and whatever. And so then also uh, all these other people, like these uh, evil dudes, are like you know slicing them and like slitting their throats and like all this stuff we then have the iconic scene of like the um the deck dance floor where everyone gets dismembered but then you have like some other uh things where it's like they're in the pool that Epps was in earlier um and everyone's getting shot uh kind of like Schindler's List style and like they fall into the pool which is where it comes from earlier that all happened and then yeah and then we find out, like, you know, okay, so Katie actually made it out, like, of that whole, like, dismemberment thing, but then they end up finding her, um, and so she ends up going to, like, either her parents' room, or she sees, like, the captain, like, getting his, like, um, throat cut, which then kind of makes sense for, like, the straight razor at the beginning, but anyway, so then we see that they take her back to her room, where they it's to be inferred that they then hang her um, because we think like, oh, okay. So there was this, like a hanging little corpse girl. And so we think like, oh, maybe she like died of suicide, but she actually didn't die of suicide. They really just hung her. Uh, we don't actually see that, but you know, that's what we were to infer. And so then, uh, yeah, we end up finding that. And then these guys like go and like um, try to get the gold that's in this, that's in this uh, ship. But then we have Francesca coming up and Francesca's there. And so like this one guy, is like shooting all these other guys um, who he might be on the team of. But then like Francesca shoots this guy who shot these other guys or whatever. And anyway, so then um, there's this like mystery man who then comes in and is like kissing on Francesca or something like that and whatever. And he puts her into space where like this hook then um, comes down and like impales her in the side of the head and kills her pretty much. And then we find out after this, after this final death, we find out that Ferryman is actually behind all of this because he was the one who um, set up Francesca to die, but he's the one who's behind all of this and because we see him. And anyway, so he is in fact a ghost, I think. Um, and so, yes. And so he, uh, so then, oh my God, Epps knows about this now. And like, he's just like, she's just like, oh my God. So then, so, okay, they're back from their time travel and they're back in 2002. And so now, so now she knows. And so now 
we know that Murphy knew from the captain that, you know, this was who was this lone survivor of the Lorelai thing. Um, and then now this is, um, now Epps is aware of it. Anyway, so Epps is trying to find Murphy, but she finds him dead as hell, um, because, uh, the aquarium was now filled with water, uh, while they were back in time, I guess is what happened. We don't actually see it fill up with water. I don't think, uh, we just see the aftermath of it. But anyway, so Epps then, uh, you know, finds Murphy. So like, oh shit. So then Epps, uh, then finds that Munder is dead in some way, I guess. Yeah. They find out, uh, that they're dead. Uh, cause really we see that Munder was actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think that he was the one who was scuba diving, trying to like do something, but then he gets like sucked into the propeller or something. So she ends up finding out that he's dead. Yeah. Finding him dead. Uh, then Dodge and Epps are there. Anyway, so what's happening is that Epps is deciding that this is where this movie starts to like kind of like go off the rails. It already gone off the rails a little bit, but this is where it really starts to. But anyway, so like what we end up finding out is that because we see that Dodge and Epps were in the rudder. And she's all like, you know, we need to like leave this boat or whatever. We see that Jack comes in and then she's aware of this already now. And so she's just like, you guys stay here. I'm going to go try and find Munder or whatever. And so then she finds Munder dead or whatever. But then we see that like Dodge then is like with Jack. Jack is like being an asshole to him. And Dodge shoots him with like this shotgun that Epps gave him. Uh, And we think that like Ferryman's dead, but he's not actually dead anyway so then uh eps is in like this like big whatever propeller room i don't even know what it is but anyway so like dodge and eps are there and so eps is deciding that like she's like fuck it like i'm just gonna blow this thing up like that's what we're gonna do and so um dodge comes in there you know because like he says oh i shot ferryman like it's just you and me blah 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 and then Epps is even just like, hey, Dodge, like, why did you not ask me when you, you know, when you came in here? Why did you not ask me about Munder? You know, and then we end up finding out that Dodge is actually Ferryman. Like, he just shapeshifted to be Dodge. So he's killed Dodge. He's killed um, Munder at this point. And so then what he explains, I guess, is that um, Ferryman then explains that he is a soul collector. So kind of like he says, like, I'm kind of like you. I'm a salvager. You salvage ships. I salvage souls and after a lifetime of sin like that's what i do so he like marks these people which you see a little bit of that with um francesca in the be in the the killing scene or whatever that he marks her after he kills her and so he can only mark people who uh have lived in sin which is why he couldn't mark emily for example because he can't control her because she was too innocent she was only a little girl um anyway so then um he says that, uh, you know, if he makes his quota or whatever, that'll make management happy. I don't know who his management is, but okay, whatever. But anyway, so then what ends up happening um, in this situation is that, so Epps is like, fuck you, I'm going to like blow the shit up. And then like Ferryman and her get into a tussle. They get into a fight. Um, and so they are, are like in the water and he's trying to like kill her. But then what ends up happening is she gets like this harpoon thing. And so he's, she's going to shoot him with it. But then she's like, oh no, better yet. I'm going to actually just like, cause you made me, you know, knock this explosive thing that I was about to explode this boat with. Um, I'm actually going to do that. And then I'm going to try to escape. So then in my notes, I have Epps blows the ship the fuck up, which she does. And so then, um, she's not dead though, but it does kill ferryman in a way uh, it blows explodes him and then um she is then um 
swimming through the ship to then try to get out or whatever. And so this is where we then see... So we see, like, Emily underwater, or we see um, Katie. We see Katie underwater um, and all of that. Um, and we see all of these ghosts uh, just, like, uh, escaping. And all of their souls are escaping the ghost ship. And we see that the ship is now, um, it's exploded, but then now it's, like, sinking at this point. And so then, um, and then the Roy Borealis is there, too. Like, it's just, like, it's. Yeah, it's just all of these, like, souls just, like, escaping and going into the afterlife, I guess, because they were stuck on the ship before that. So then, that's all nice and dandy, and there's, like, a nice little tune that's playing in the background. And so Epps is now on top of, like, some, like, chest or whatever, like, sort of like uh, Jack and Rose style in a way. Not really like that, but she's just, like, floating adrift because she's the sole survivor of this thing. And she gets rescued by another boat. I don't know how the fuck she would have survived in the middle of this ocean, but okay. But anyway, so (laughs) she gets rescued by this big ass boat. That's like, you know, honking their horn at her or whatever. So then we see that she's been rescued by the boat. And so she's back. uh, They then take her back onto shore at this dock. And we're coming to the end of the movie. So like they put her on the stretcher and they're like taking her and putting her in this ambulance. So she gets put into this ambulance and then, um, pretty much what happens is that while she's in the ambulance, she sees these guys who look kind of like the guys who killed everybody on the ship in 1962, uh, that they're loading these like wooden, um, crates onto the ship that she just came off of. And then she's just like looking and she's like, what the hell? And then she sees that a ferryman is actually there and he's like bored in the boat too. And she's just like, no. And then, we just have like this fucking metal ass like ending and then that's how this movie ends pretty much so everything is starting all over again with ferryman on this new boat so yeah and that is the end of ghost ship so needless to say i think when it comes to ghost ship you know i I have given this movie on Letterboxd. I gave it like a two and a half out of five. Um, and I might even give it like a three, maybe. I don't know. I, I think this movie is something that um, it's of its time. It's from the early 2000s. You know, uh, like I said, I put it in the same category as 13 Ghosts, not just because they're by the same guy necessarily, but also just like their stories are kind of a little like muddled together and weird. But anyway, so... Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I think like this movie uh, has a certain aesthetic to itself and a certain style, if you will, um, that is reminiscent of uh, the other work that this guy did. I can understand why there are people who really go up for this movie, and I'll even go up for it in a weird, in a way where I'm like, you know, hey, if you want to have like a fun time, um, put on a double feature of Thirteen Ghosts and Ghost Ship, like that. That shit seems fun, um, you know, to see what two thousand and one and 2002 were like <laughs> in terms of horror movies because this is a good distillation of that and if you will but yeah i think uh like do i recommend you watch it you know what i'll i'll say at least give it a watch you know whether you hate it or like it like it's gonna be up to you um i think like like my my good old barbie said you know uh 
<laughs> she we were talking a little bit about it and and she was like um she was like uh yeah but it's like just so wonderful and trashy and fun and i'm just like yeah that's true i mean and also for some reason she really does not like emily browning i don't know why um not even just for her hair in this movie it's more so just like i guess she doesn't like her but you know whatever i, I think the people in this don't do a horrible job at acting necessarily i think they act it fine uh but yeah if you want to watch ghost shit for yourself though uh so currently right now it is on hbo max it just got added onto there so if you have an hbo subscription you can watch it so if you have a vpn and you're in america i think you could still get it on maybe either uk or uh australian shutter um correct me if i'm wrong about that but i'm pretty sure you could still get it on there that's how i watched it last year um so yeah i i would even maybe rent it you know maybe like do that i would say try to exhaust any other option you have maybe before you rent it i'm surprised that this is on tubi more i guess but like it should be honestly but uh anyway but yeah that's how you can go about watching it and uh and yeah if you want to have a nice little uh bite of what the 2000s was in terms of horror movies then uh yeah let yourself watch ghost ship and just see uh this fucking crazy weird movie that is just uh listen metal is fucking away and why not like that seems fun so yeah i I would say maybe give it a watch if you want to like yeah i can't i'm not telling you to do i'm not your mom but you know uh yeah i would i would go out watching it if you're a horror fan you go and like some little bit of dumb horror movies like you know throw it on and enjoy yourself you know so go ahead and do it as always if you'd like to get in touch with me you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com if you'd like to give any movie recommendations give feedback on the show or if you'd just like to say hey I'm open to all of it you can also follow the show on Instagram at cultcinemacircle and on Twitter at cultcinemacircle I tend to announce the movies that I'm going to be covering and just interact with people on there if they want you can also follow me on Letterboxd at jesse j-e-s-s-e kremp k-r-e-m-p all one word on that platform I tend to log the movies that i watch i write little stupid reviews about them and just general foolishness over there be sure to rate comment and subscribe to the cult cinema circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice whether that be apple podcasts google podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts i'm pretty much on all of them be sure to leave five stars and a one to two sentence review about the show uh, so we can grow the audience and then just spread the love all around. Be sure to tune in next week to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, where I'll be covering 1995's The Brady Bunch Movie. The original 1970s TV family is now placed into the 90s, where they're even more square and out of place than ever. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. And remember, who the fuck you kidding, Greer? Everybody knows you Navy boys take it up the ass. <laughs> take care. Bye. Bye.